We are in the last week of our Swipe Right series. Who's enjoyed Swipe Right? Nice. Some of you still think we're talking about how to use Tinder. We're not. Um, but that's all right. If you picked up how to use Tinder from that, that's a thing that you might have learned. Um, but, but what we are in the middle of talking about, or at the end of talking about, is a series, Swipe Right. And it's based on a book by a, a pastor named Levi Lusco, who's from America. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. Uh, from America, and he's got a book called Swipe Right, The Life and Death Power of Sex and Romance. And I just want to encourage you, if, if anything in uh, this series has um, encouraged you or convicted you or, or just you want to know more about it, make sure you pick up this book. Yeah, I think it's like $10 on Kindle. You can get it for about $20 from Mana Bookstore, but it's a good investment, right? Get it, read through it. There's also um, there's an app that uh, you'll, you'll understand more about it when you read the book. It's like a... Um, it's an app basically to help you break addictions. Um, so, you know, if you've got bad thought habits or, or you're involved in something that you want to break the addiction, basically what it does is like every, you can set it, I think that like default is every 20 minutes, it sends you an encouraging scripture, right? Which is really helpful. If you're battling through something, you're like, ah, oh, I'm really tempted and bam, encouraging scripture, right? Bam. It's a free app on the, the app store, right? So I just want to encourage you as, as a church, we've been looking at this, but we don't want the, the learning and the help to stop here. Yeah, we want, we're equipping you to encourage you, read the book, find out more. But we are in the, um, the last of our series. I want to remind you of what we've talked about so far, right? Is that all right? You ready? Nice. I'm going to run out of voice eventually. So by the end, we'll be whispering, which will be very spiritual, <laughs> right? But um, so we started, we, uh, Jordan talked in the first week about water everywhere and not a drop to drink, right? About uh, our culture of sexuality and about how sexuality is everywhere, but just like the Israelites in the desert encountered bitter water, that just because we're surrounded by sexuality, it doesn't actually mean that we're able to find what we need. In fact, we're surrounded by water, but we can't drink it. And so how do we make uh, the bitter water pure again? And then uh, George talked about the point of no return, right? And that story of Esau and the red lentil stew and about making good decisions, about not trading away our, our future and our birthright for something temporary and fleeting. And then last week we talked about that marriage is worth fighting for, right? How do we fight for our relationships? And so I, I want to point out that, that up until now, our focus of the series has mainly been about prevention, Right? How do we prevent hurt in our lives? Right? And the whole tone of the series has been, man, you can't change your past. I can't change my past. But how do we step into the future with an intention of, of man, I don't want to carry my regrets into the future. Right? There might have been things that have happened to me in the past. I can't change them. But how do I go into the future making sure I don't regret tomorrow? Right? And, and, and so that's really awesome. They say, they say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right, which means nothing because we don't use imperial measurements, right? It was like, okay, so one measurement I don't know is worth another. So I translated that into metric, which is they say that, I need to actually get this right, right? They say that a gram of prevention is worth a kilogram of cure, right? That, that if we can get out in front of something, if we can stop the, the, the destruction happening, right? If we can be the fence at the top of the cliff rather than the ambulance at the bottom, we can help out a whole lot of people. So I hope that in this series so far, you've, you've picked up some things that can prevent hurt for you going into the future. But what we want to talk about today is we do want to talk about the cure, right? Because the danger of this series so far is that it might have led you to, to feeling uh, discouraged, right? It might have led you to, man, that's awesome that I can protect my future, but what do I do with the skeletons in my closet that bother me every day, 
right there, that although the series has been focused on encouraging us about how we can approach tomorrow, we might reflect on what has happened and feel discouraged, right? But the encouragement is, is that the Bible speaks to us not just about prevention, but it also has a lot to say about the cure, right? So, so as we finish this series, Swipe Right, on the life and death power of sex and romance, we want to look at how you can heal. If you're taking notes today, this sermon is called Magic Beans and in-betweens, right, which is the best title in the world. I did not come up with it, I have to admit, right? It's from Levi Lusko's book. I just, I just wouldn't have, right? That's a great title. Um, so, so it's nice to have someone else's brilliant title. If you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to Judges chapter 16. It's the, the story of Samson and Delilah. We're going to read it in a minute, but, but first I just want to acknowledge we all recognize these names, Wait, we, we recognize the, the, the name Samson and Delilah, but I want to give us a quick refresher on who they are. Is that all right? Very cool. Turn to your neighbor and say Samson and Delilah. Nice, nice. Samson, uh, Samson is a judge of Israel, right? And, and the judges are, are these political and military leaders that are leading the Jewish people when they are in the promised land, right? And the, the book of Judges is interesting because the book of Judges should have been the epilogue to the story. Does everyone know what an epilogue is? It's like the book at the back of the book where it says, you know, it's like they had this big battle, and then it's like, and then this is how everyone lived happily ever after, right? You know what I mean? Like it's like, the, and then this happened, and they got married, and then happily ever after, and everything was fine. It kind of, it, it ties up all the loose ends of the story. It leaves you feeling resolved. Like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Who here hates it when movies just fade to black, right? Unresolved. You're like, okay, so what? The, you, you just showed, like, the killer walking into the room, fade to black. So, okay, so I get to decide. I, I paid $10 to decide. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, movie. Right, so this, the, the book of Judges is meant to be the epilogue, the, the conclusion, because the people, the, the Jewish people, they've gone from, from a family to a nation, right? And then they've been enslaved, and then they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they crossed into the promised land, and, and, and they drove away their enemies. And the book of Judges, it should be a happy time. Right, it should be like, this is the story of the people of Israel. They were a family that became a nation, that became enslaved, that was freed, that journeyed into their promise, that drove out the enemies from their promised land, and then they lived happily ever after. Right, that's what the book of Judges should be. But, but instead, what happens is the Israelite people, they should be uh, enjoying the promised land, but, but instead they turn from God. And the book of Judges is this tragic picture of a spiral downwards into hopelessness, right? And, and what should be their crowning moment, the best moment of them as a people, turns into this slow story of judge after judge being worse and worse. And, and Samson is the last judge, right? Samson is the very end of this uh, spiral of tragedy. And, and so we get to this, this story of Samson, and Samson is given supernatural strength by God. Right, he's called to be a, a Nazarite from birth. And in, in ancient Israel, in ancient Israel uh, those wanting to be especially dedicated to God for a time could take what was called a Nazarite vow. And this vow basically meant that they, they vowed to abstain from wine and spirits, but like to the point of including vinegar. Um, and, and they vowed to not cut their hair or shave, and they vowed to remain ritually pure. Right, so it was kind of like, um, like, like how we would consider a fast now. It was like a, a, a kind of just a defined period of time where they were like, I'm going to really focus on God, and so I'm going to put all of these things into my life that make me remember, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, because I'm trying to focus on God. 
right? Samson from birth has been following this Nazarite vow, right? So already he's a little bit uh, special. And all of this happens uh, because God has called Samson to begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines, right? The Philistines are, are currently ruling over Israel. Israel has, has fallen so far down the spiral that, that the people of Israel in what was meant to be their promised land where they could be a people again, they've fallen into captivity once more. And so Samson's life goal, his dream, his mission, his purpose is to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Say that with me. His life purpose is to rescue Israel from the Philistines, right? What's his life purpose? That's good. That's good. We need to make sure we know that, right? And so, so what happens is Samson falls in love with a Philistine woman. Right? And so, as we know, the Philistines are the enemies of the Israelites. But, but this goes horribly wrong. Right? He, he fights with the Philistine people, and there's this kind of ongoing escalation of attacks. Samson does one thing. They do one thing back. And, and it concludes in his wife and his father-in-law being burnt alive. Right? So Samson comes back to, to his, his house. Yeah, it's, it, it's intense, right? Bible is like metal. And, and so he comes back to his house, and he finds his family's destroyed, right? And he's distraught. So he, he travels out, and the escalation continues. And he goes out, and, and the Philistines and Samson have one last fight in which the Bible says he kills a thousand men, which is impressive enough, but he does it with the jawbone of a donkey, Right, so Samson is mad and he's got super strength and it's like comic book moment and he's just like, you want to see the movie 300, right? This is like step up. And, and, and so then it, it basically seems like, like Samson and the Philistines, they end up in this, this stalemate, right? Where the, the Philistines, they can't catch Samson, right? He's too strong, they can't hold him, but, but Samson can't free the Jewish people because there are too many Philistines, right? Like he goes and he, he frees this kind of little village and then he goes off to free this village and then by the time he comes back to that village, the Philistines have come back and they've retaken that village. And so they're just in this kind of this stalemate and it's in, yeah, the, the whole thing is Judges chapter 13 to 16. You can, you can read it if you like. It's a good story. But basically it kind of seems like Samson gets a bit uh, disheartened, right? And, and so basically what happens is Samson falls in love with another woman. This woman's name is Delilah. And, and the Philistine leaders, they, they come to Delilah and they essentially offer to, to pay her a fortune if she can find out the reason that Samson is so strong. If she can find out the, the secret to Samson's amazing supernatural strength, they'll pay her a fortune. And so she goes to Samson and she asks him, you know, why are you so strong? And three times he tricks her and he tells her the first time, ah, oh, if you would just tie me up with new bowstrings, right, never used before. If you just tie me with new bowstrings, then, then I would be tied and I wouldn't be able to break out. And so she ties him up and says, the, the Philistines are here, and he breaks out of them. And she says, why are you tricking me? And he says, ah, no, I was just playing. If, if you tie me up with new rope, right, never used for anything else, new rope, then, then my strength would go. And so she ties him up with new rope, and the Philistines are here, and he's like, bam, right, which is what I do every morning. I'm like, bam, um, get, no. Um, and, and then finally, Finally, uh, he says to her, if you just tie my hair in a loom, which I don't understand at all, but so she does that. I don't know what a loom is, and I didn't bother Googling it. Um, but she, she does that. She ties his hair in a loom, which, again, sounds kind of painful. Like, I think a loom's something you use for, like, knitting or making wool. Weaving things. Oh, it's that thing with the... These are on Vikings. Um, very cool. That's my point of reference for a loom. Um, and, and so she ties his hair into a loom, 
which again sounds painful, but anyway. And then she says, the Philistines are here, and he stands up, apparently just like with the loom attached, because I don't see how that would stop him. But uh, and again, and, and and so we get to Judges chapter sixteen, verses fifteen to twenty-two. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, we're reading from the NLT translation, and it, it says this. Have we got it? We don't got it. We we do got it. No, you're all right. We can just have a conversation. Judges uh, chapter 16, verse 15 to 22. Look at that. Beautiful. It says this. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines come to capture you. When he woke, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Verse 21, so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. When you bow your heads, let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. God, as we, as we gather together as a family and as we look at this, this last installment of this series, Swipe Right, on the, the life and death power of sex and romance, God, as, as we look at uh, what, what does it mean to be broken, God, as we look at what does it mean to, to make mistakes and how do you meet us in those mistakes, God, what's the cure? How do we move from, from a broken, hurting people to a people moving towards wholeness and healing? God, I pray that, that as we're here this morning, God, that it wouldn't be my words, that it wouldn't be uh, my preparation, God, but that your Holy Spirit would speak in this room. God, that, that you would speak directly to our hearts, that we would be different when we leave than we were when we came in. Thank you that you're with us and that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, if you're here today, you can probably relate to Samson. Right? If you're here today, you, you probably don't, you've probably never had super strength despite how you might have felt at that gym that one time you're doing those reps, you're like, I can do anything. No, just me, okay. Right, but you, you probably never had some lady lull you to sleep and then shave your hair, right? Ladies might have been tempted if you have luscious locks like myself, but no one's done that to me yet, right? I'm watching, you just, you leave it, right? But, but we can relate to Samson in that we've all made mistakes, Right, in life, at some stage, we will have stuffed up. At life, at some stage, something will have, will have gone wrong. In life, we have things that happen that we wish didn't or, or things that we encounter, events in life that, that can lead us to feeling in prison. Right, can, that can lead us to feeling without vision, stuck in the same cycle. We can relate to this feeling of being trapped by our poor choices. And, and if you're not currently in this space, that's awesome, right? We, we don't pray, God, I pray that everyone comes to church today and they're all trapped in poor choices so that my sermon's really, really relevant, right? That's, I did not pray that prayer, right? But at some stage in our lives, something will go wrong. At some stage in our lives, something might just 
take a turn for the worst a little bit. And, and there, are, there are things that we can learn here that, that can help us. Even if it's just someone that we know who, who encounters hurt, we can remember the sermon and, and help them. Right? When you're in a place of hopelessness, when you're feeling dejected, or sometimes even worse, when you were once in a place of great success, right? when, when once things were going well, and now disaster hurts even more because you can compare it to where things were. Right? Once I was Samson, once I was strong, once I was in control, and now I'm stuck in a prison without vision, stuck in destructive cycles. But I think we can all agree that Samson is in, he's in a pretty hopeless place to be, right? And, and if that's how you feel uh, this morning, or if that's how you feel at some stage, I want you to know and I want you to remember that this isn't how the story ends, right? If we can chuck up verse 22, it goes on to say, but before long, I'll just read it. No, no, that's all right. Uh, but before long, his hair began to grow back. See, here's the thing, right? Samson has been utterly defeated. Samson has had his hair shaved off, his eyes gouged out. He's, he's bound in chains and put in a prison, grinding grain for his enemies, right? But, but in that prison, his hair begins to grow back. See, because here's the thing. You might feel like all that you have has been taken away. You might feel like you've been chewed up and spat out by life, but before long, your hair can begin to grow back. See, the thing that we need to remember is that we serve a God who is the king of the comeback, Right? We serve a God who specializes in the underdog. See, God's not done with you. If you've made mistakes if in life later on and, and you remember the sermon and you've made a mistake, I want you to remember that God's not mad at you about the mistake that you've made. He's mad for you. He's, mad, he's not mad at you. He's mad about you because God has plans for you and he speaks them over you. He declares his plans over you. He loves you. He sees you and he doesn't see damaged goods. He doesn't think that you're too messed up. He sees you in the middle of brokenness and says it's all right because I specialize and redemption stories, right? It's all right because if you're broken, God can work. If you, if you take nothing else away from today, I just want you to remember that God specializes in redemption stories. If you chuck that scripture up again, if, if this whole sermon could be summed up in one scripture, it would be Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, right? That's the right one for the other time. This one, yeah. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. See, there are two steps at place when, when life seems bleak, when it seems impossible. The first one is don't grow weary of doing good. And the second one is don't give up. Right, why not? Why not give up? See, I've got three points today on how we can heal from hurt. Three points uh, that I'm going to use the illustration of a seed. But before we do that, I want to quickly say that, that God is a God of miracles, right? In, in your life, you might be hurting. In your life, you might have an addiction or a hurt or some sort of seemingly impossible prayer. And we believe that God can meet us in that space and he can fix us and heal us and help us, right? And, and today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discuss how we heal because here's the thing, right? I, I want you to understand this. God can do a miracle, Right, God can heal us of a hurt or, or something that's binding us, and he can do it in a moment. Right, God can work a miracle in our lives, but sometimes what God does is, is it's like he heals the bone. Right, it's like there's a break in us somewhere in our heart. Right, Somewhere deep within us, something is broken. I want you to imagine it's like a bone that's broken, right, and it's been broken for a while. 
And so what God does is he comes along, and this is a thing that we can't fix on our own, right? It's a, it's a bone that won't mend on its own, right? That, that if, if life is just left to life, then it's going to be permanently broken. And God can come and he mends that bone. But sometimes what God does is he leaves the muscles around that bone, which have atrophied because they haven't been out of work, right? Because my, my leg's broken and I haven't been able to walk on my leg, all of the muscles in my leg slowly wither back and they're not gone, but they're weak. And sometimes God leaves us with the weak muscles, right? Because what he wants to do is he wants us to build up strength to prevent us hurting ourselves in the same way again, right? So God will come along and he'll do a miracle sometimes, but he'll leave us in a place where we still need to heal, Right where he's done the healing, but there's still this, this practical healing that we need to go through so that, so that we can learn how to protect ourselves, so that we can build a strength that we didn't have before, and we can actually come back stronger than when the break first happened, right? Rather than just being restored to where we were, God wants to take us through a healing process which gets us to a place further on than we were at the beginning right? So that's not, it's not that we are um, not only healed, but it's so that we can learn. So these points aren't instead of being healed by God, right? These points are as well as being healed by God, right? We believe if you've got something in your life and you want a breaking off, you want a miracle in the moment, we are a church that believes with you and we will pray for that. But we also, also believe, excuse me, we also believe that practically we can, we can support ourselves and we should support you. So uh, why should we not grow weary of doing good? Right, my first point today, if you're taking notes, is even if you feel like Samson, even if you feel defeated and hurting, <clears throat> hurting in your throat because your voice is going, even if you feel defeated and hurting, don't go grow weary of doing good because point number one, seeds start small. Right, we've heard uh, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, or Luke chapter 17, verse 6, of Jesus using the example of faith the size of a mustard seed. Right, but have you ever stopped to think why? Right, of all of the examples that God could have used, why did he choose to use faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Jesus has got the entire metaphors of the galaxy at his disposal, right? If he was Tim Walbrand, he would have used a Lord of the Rings metaphor, right? If he was John O'Brown, he would have somehow talked about Spider-Man, right? But he's not, he's Jesus, and he, and he uses, which is good, right? I'm sure Tim would agree with me. I'm glad I'm not Jesus, right? I'm glad Tim's not Jesus. Moving on. Jesus uses this metaphor, this example of a seed, and I think one of the reasons that he uses this, this example of the mustard seed as a picture of faith is because he wanted us to understand that faith can transform something tiny into something that's massive, right? In comparison to what they become, all seeds start small, right? What is tiny today can become massive down the road. We discussed this last week when we talked about the little foxes, Right, the foxes that get into our life, into, our, into the vineyards of our life, and that they can come in and they can ruin the harvest. Right? These little things that can get into our life, that can get between us and our relationships, that can result in large divides. C.S. Lewis uh, puts it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. It's always a good sermon when you get to go quote C.S. Lewis. He says this, Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The small good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. 
an apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. Which is a little bit of a depressing thought, right? That like, you can just make a mistake. You can just have a little bit of a stuff up, a little bit of a, you know, things go a little bit wrong and you've allowed the enemy to capture a ridge or a railway or a bridgehead that's going to go on and wreak havoc in your life. Right? I don't know about you, but that's like, a, oh, wow, I'm really encouraged that I came to church. Thanks, C.S. Lewis. I'm super glad I read Mere Christianity again. Right? But, but here's the thing. The small mistakes we make can lead to bigger mistakes, right? which, which is why it's important to remember, like Jordan talked about in the sermon about Esau, right? about the things that we carry. But it's also important to remember that it's not just evil that increases a compound interest. Right, We can focus in on this kind of bit and be like, oh, don't make any mistakes. Don't make any mistakes. Which if you try and not make any mistakes, if you're anything like me, what happens? You make mistakes. Right? And we don't want to say, hey, go make all the mistakes you want. doesn't matter. We want to be careful. We want you know, prevention. But at the same time, it's not just evil that increases a compound interest. Good increases a compound interest. See, small things are how we make big changes. If you're here in a, in a place right now where you feel a little bit discouraged, where you feel a little bit hopeless because you know that, that where you believe God wants you to be and, and you can feel where you currently are, right? I always use this example because I think it's so pertinent, right? You, you know that you're here and you feel God is calling you to be here, right? And, and we can look at the difference between the two and maybe it's just me, but I can look at the difference between the two in my life and I can get discouraged at the gap. Right, discouraged at the, the space between. The space between the two can seem insurmountable. And then you look at the first step, right? Like I need to get there, but all I can manage is this. And it seems so insignificant, right? The first step can seem so small. It's so easy not to value the seed because it's small, right? Like, like what's the first workout compared to how much weight you need to lose? Right, like, like what's the first credit card payment compared to how much debt you need to pay off? These, these small acts, they can, they can seem to do nothing immediately. And so sometimes we don't do anything at all. Right, let, let me say that again. Because the small seed can't do everything immediately, sometimes we don't do anything at all. See, here's the thing. The only guarantee in life is if we do nothing, we will get nothing, right? And sure, you can debate that. You can be like, oh, well, if someone comes along and you, you don't do anything to earn money, but someone comes along and gives you money, right? Let's just, don't be silly, right? If you do nothing, the only guarantee in life is that nothing will happen, right? A seed won't grow just sitting in a packet. It's not until, even though it's tiny, even though it seems to be minuscule, that we're willing to say, okay, no matter how tiny and, and how pitiful it seems, I'm still going to do what I need to do and add a little soil and take that first small step. See, victory comes to those who can see past the seed. Victory comes to those who can see past the seed to the harvest that is locked up inside the seed. So take that first small Step. That's the first thing you need to know today. If you're hurting today, if you feel like you can identify with Samson, if you want to make some changes, if you need a cure from some hurt or destructive behaviors in your life or, or anything else, the first thing you need to remember is that seeds start small. So don't despise small beginnings. My second point this morning, 
You guys going all right? We're good? Nice. I need to move faster. My second point this morning is that seeds grow slow. Right? I won't go slow, but seeds grow slow. Seeds start small and then they grow slow. Right? Has anyone ever planted a garden? Can I get a show of hands? Gardeners in the house? Not so many, right? Because we live in Wellington and we all live on clay. Right? I feel you. I had to dig a garden in Island Bay. Digging a garden in Island Bay was just me moving clay out of the way so that dad could bring in some topsoil so that you could actually plant something in it. Right? Gardening in Wellington isn't, it's not the easiest. Right? My, dad, uh, my dad is an avid gardener, which is for good reason. Like he spent the first um, kind of third of his life as an orchardist. If you're ever driving uh, up, the, up the way, north ways, and you, uh, in Tihoro, there's a place called Sue's Brown Acres. Right? It's for sale in case you're looking for an investment opportunity. Um, I have no stake in it. I don't, anyway, uh, but Brown Acres because me. Right? Brown Acres, that's where the name came from. They added Sue's at the front because... Anyway. Right, but I have a garden. And my dad has a garden. I have a garden at my house. It's a little box. Full disclosure, it wasn't planted by me. It was planted by the tenants in our house before me. Uh, I tried to plant a garden in our previous house in Karori. Well, actually, dad came over one time and he bought some rhubarb plants and he planted them. And then I let them die. Um, and, and so we've got, we've got another garden. And it was beautiful. Uh, and again, so, something just seemed to happen. And no one seems to water it. And, and like, no one's weeding it. I don't understand how other people, someone comes and does their gardens for them. But my garden dies. Uh, and then I go to my dad's house in Christchurch, and he has got, like, literally, it would be the size of the stage in raised planter boxes with, like, it's the beans, and it's the strawberries, and it's the, the parsnips, and it's the yams. And he complains to me, like, nah, my yams are only, like, this big this year. And I'm like, yeah, I killed, uh, I killed my cabbage. But uh, Cool. You know, because here's the thing, gardens don't grow on their own, right? And gardens don't grow immediately, right? That's where I get into trouble because I plant the seed and I'm super, super enthusiastic one day and then I'm kind of enthusiastic the next day and then by day three, I've lost interest and it takes months for this thing to grow. So by the time that I'm meant to be like weeding it and looking after it and, and you know, doing the due diligence, I've gotten bored and I'm playing PlayStation, right? And so my garden dies. But what dad does is he goes out every day and he waters it. He goes out every day and he makes sure the time is on. He goes out and he makes sure, you know, oh, this plant's looking a bit yellow and he puts a little thing on it and he, this plant's looking a bit wilted and he puts some other stuff on it and then he prays over it and then he weeds it and, and then he has this bountiful harvest, right? Because here's the thing. We don't want to plant seeds. We want magic beans, right? How amazing would that be? Like you, you're there at night and you're like, what do I want for dinner tomorrow? Oh, I want some like I want some broccoli. I'm gonna cut it up nice and fine with some Brussels sprouts. I'm gonna fry it in a fry pan. Add some garlic. If you've never eaten this, it is the most delicious thing in the world, right? Like, oh yeah, a little bit of tomato, right? And you just you're like, okay, cool. So here's what I'm gonna do, right? I've got my broccoli magic beans. I'll go out to my garden. I'll uh, you know move some dirt with my foot because who wants to get down there and get dirty? So I just, and I put the bean in. I kick some dirt back over and I'm gonna stamp on it. Yeah, cool. Right? You go to bed. Wake up in the morning. You're like broccoli plant. Yeah, broccoli plant is like kind of good. You're like, okay, cool. Go to work. You come back. Your broccoli plant's all ready. You're like, yeah, hack it off, right? Like, yeah, I got my broccoli. Hold it up like it's a head. And you go inside and you, you cook your broccoli, right? That would be awesome, right? If, if, if gardens work like that, we would all have flourishing gardens, right? If some biotechnologist can figure out how to do that, they'll make a million dollars in the first day. But gardens aren't like that. Gardens are you got to plant the seed, 
you got to plan like months in advance. Like, oh, I'm going to want to eat broccoli in September. Better get tending to the garden now. Someone here actually owns a garden. They're like, broccoli doesn't grow that fast, but I don't, I don't care. Because here's the thing, right? In life, there are no magic beans. In life, there are no magic beans. There's just faithfulness for the in-between. There's just faithfulness for the right here. There's faithfulness in the middle. And, and that's where we need to focus, right? Because growth doesn't happen as a result of a magic bean. Growth happens because you are faithful right here, right now in the middle, to not uproot the thing that's growing, to, to remember to water the thing, to remember to make sure it gets enough sunlight, and to do that every day. Water, sunlight, water, sunlight, day after day. Growth is a result of faithfulness in the in-between. But that's not sexy, right? Like that no one sells the in-between. No one sells patience. It's so much better to just say, man, all you need to do is just get this one podcast. Write down this one podcast, listen to it backwards while you're sleeping, and you'll wake up knowing French. Right? Or, or all you need to do is, is just get this machine that you turn on, and, and I thought these machines, you turned on and you stood on them and they shake you. Right? I've now found out that people don't even stand on them. What they do is they sit on their couch and they put their feet on them and their feet shake and they're like, no, no, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get me in shape. Right? Or, 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 you know, here's this sure thing, overnight investment to double your money. Right? Like just take the money that you've got, put it into this and overnight you'll double it. Right? That's what we're looking for. But instead, it's hard work and repetition. Right? Like learning the language again and again, day after day. It's a lot of exercise and eating well. It's spending less than you earn and saving. Right? These are the decisions that no one wants to make that get the results that everyone craves. See, God wants to cultivate patience and long-suffering and endurance. So, so if we know that we are healed from the penalty of sin, that God can create in us a new heart, that he can heal the, the break in us, but we might still be surrounded by the consequences of our mistakes. Right? We might be healed, but we might still be surrounded by the consequences of the poor decisions that we made. We might still need some, some rehab. We might still need to build some good habits to become more like who God calls us to be. So what do we do? What do we do in the in-between? We do the things that we know we should, but we really don't want to. Right? We, we do the things that we know that we should, but we don't really want to. We make sure that we're creating space to hear from God every day. We make sure that we're reading our Bibles. We're, we make sure that we're regularly attending church. We make sure that we're surrounded by family who care. And by doing that, we open ourselves up to slow growth, right? It's trusting the process. It's not having the need for instant gratification because all too often, like Samson, that's what got us into the mess, right? And it's not going to get us out. Uh, in his book, Levi Lusco says, we have to trust the process of walking with Jesus. The same things that would have prevented some of the hurts in our life is what's going to treat them. So seeds start small, but we shouldn't despise small beginnings. Seeds grow slow, but slow builds strong. And my third and final point, yeah, Jack, as you come up, is seeds sprout out. Eventually, they sprout out. They start small, they grow slow, but eventually they sprout out. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 22 says, At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Right? And, and the scripture is written to a people in exile. Right? And, and just before this scripture, just before this verse, is this beautiful picture to the, to the uh, Israelite people in exile in Babylon, this beautiful picture of this is what it would look like to be free. 
This is what it would look like to be your own people. This is what it would look like to have freedom again. Right, and, and this beautiful picture is painted. And so you can imagine the feeling of the people who are reading or hearing this. Literally, their dreams are being described to them. And then it ends with, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And isn't this how it feels when it comes to growing a seed? When it, how it feels when it comes to making positive change? For, for what feels like the longest time, it looks like nothing's happening. And then when you are almost not paying attention anymore, when, when your hopes aren't hinging on it anymore, when, when you're just believing that it's God's good despite what happens in your life, when you're saying, God, I will love you and praise you no matter what happens, you look at it one day and, and there's a shoot. You look at it one day and, and, and something starts to grow out. It can be like that in our lives sometimes. As, as we tend to the seed within us, even as we feel like Samson, restricted without vision or hope, and yet as we tend to our seed, as we don't despise the small steps, as we keep on doing the small things, even if progress feels slow, then one day we look at ourselves and we're shocked to realize, when did that growth happen? Right? When, when did I start to, to heal around this thought or this, this issue? When did this freedom come to me? Right? It's, it's when you weren't focusing on anything other than Jesus. Because it's in our weakness that God is strong. See, like I said at the start, I think at some place, at some stage in our lives, we can all identify with Samson, right? We can all identify with having made mistakes and feeling restricted without vision or hope. But you'll remember in, in verse 22, Samson's hair began to grow back, right? Because God's not done with you. God has plans for you because God specializes in redemption stories, right? So, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. At, at just the right time, the Lord will make it happen. Don't grow weary of doing good. Don't give up. Because even if you feel like your eyes are gouged out, even if you feel like your head has been uh, shaved, even if you feel like you're without vision or strength, believe for what seems impossible. See, Judges chapter 16, verse 23 to, to 28 concludes the story of Samson, right? Samson is in jail, bound with chains, without his hair, without vision. He's, he's in a hopeless place. And it says in, in verse 23, the Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, that Samson, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillar that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching Samson as he amused them. See, Samson's purpose was to begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Right? And there's always been in the, the back of his mind this, this dream. Maybe that's why he fell in love with the Philistine woman, right? Maybe he was like, somehow I'll rescue Israel from the Philistines if we can just create some sort of diplomatic marriage, right? Some sort of relationship. Maybe I can just work my, my way through this, right? And, and that doesn't work. So he kills a thousand men. Man, I'll just, I'll wipe them out if that's what it takes. But, but that doesn't work. Still as people are in captivity, still he can't accomplish his purpose, his mission, his dream. And so Samson seems to give up. 
right? He wanders to place to place and he kills Philistines, but, but seems to have no purpose, no, no goal. He seems to, Samson seems to have lost his vision before he lost his eyes. And then like we all do without vision, he makes the mistakes that wind up in him being restricted without vision, strength, or hope. And he probably feels like it's all over. He probably feels like, like he, he was given amazing gifts, amazing opportunities, amazing chances to do incredible things, and he squandered it. Right, like he had one shot and he missed it. And, and he probably feels like he had an amazing call and, and he ruined it all. And, and he probably thinks he's gonna die in jail, grinding grain to sustain the enemy he should have defeated. And he's thinking that his people will die in captivity and he could have saved them. It was his call. It was his dream. It was his mission. And then in verse 28, Samson prays one final prayer in his weakness, humiliation, guilt, and shame. Verse 28 says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. See, Samson was used more strongly in his weakness than he had ever been used in his strength. See, here's the thing. If you feel like you've made mistakes, if one day you end up in a place and, and you've made mistakes and you're reflecting on this message, don't run from God. See, you, you might need to make a big change. You might need a, a big miracle. You might need massive healing and God can bring that, but we need to be faithful with the seed not despising the small steps and the slow growth, but also remember that we serve a God that specializes in redemption stories, a God that brings beauty for ashes, that our darkest days can lead to our most powerful praise. See, here's the tension though. We can know that even though we might feel like Samson, God loves us, right? We can know that God wants to restore us from the mistakes that we've made and the hardships that we've been through. We can know that in our weakness, God is strong. But all too often that knowledge, it doesn't translate to feeling loved or feeling accepted or, or feeling worthy. So to finish off our Swipe Right series, I wanna do two things. The first thing I wanna do is I wanna offer an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you know you need to get right with God, to ask Him for, for the first time or, or to ask Him again to be your God, Right, because somewhere in life you've attempted to use something else as your savior. Right, you went running to, to find the things that would help you and you accidentally ran to Delilah and you thought that she would help you. Right, whatever Delilah is, career, influence, your own strength, your control, anything. Right, and we took a good thing. Delilah wasn't a horrible woman. She was a woman doing the wrong thing, but she was placed in the wrong place because Samson took a good thing and he made it the ultimate thing. Samson took a good thing and he made it something that we did compromise things that he should never compromise for. See, where in our lives have we asked Delilah to save us and we've ended up in prison without vision, strength, or hope? See, to bring growth, to bring growth to us when, when we can't, to heal what we can't heal, we need to make sure that God's in the right place. 
So as you just close your eyes, as you bow your heads, we're almost done. If you're here this morning and you know that God's not in the right place in your life, maybe you've made a decision to follow him before, but, but if you're honest with yourself at the moment, it doesn't feel like he's your God. It feels like something else is trying to save you and it's not working. Or if you're here today and you've never made this decision, you've never asked God to be your savior and you want to ask him for the first time, whatever your reason for this decision, if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, I wanna pray a prayer. But before I pray this prayer, I just want you to raise your hand in a minute just to let me know you're praying this prayer with me, just so we can talk to you afterwards and offer you continued support. So if you're here this morning and you know you wanna pray this prayer, you know you need to put God in the right place in your life, I just want you to raise your hand now, let me know. Just every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Awesome, I see that hand, thank you. Is there anyone else here today who says, yeah, John, I need to pray that prayer? Cool, cool, I see the hand, thank you. Just one more time, if there's anyone else, if you wanna pray this prayer, put God in the right place. I just wanna invite you to raise your hand. Awesome, I've seen a few hands. Church, can you repeat these words after me? Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for putting something else in your place. Today, I choose to follow you. I love you. I receive your sacrifice and your gift. I'm following you today and forever. Amen. Awesome. Hey, here's the last thing I want to do. Is we're going to take uh, we're going to take communion together, and the hosts are just going to start passing it out now, and we're going to finish with communion. And the reason that I wanted to finish with communion is because communion is a super special moment, right? Maybe you're you're here today and you identify with that feeling of being in the in between, right? And, and and you know that it's not true. You know that that God. How do I say this? You, you're here today and, and you identify with being in, the, in between, but you, you know that, that God loves you, but you feel like God can't really love you until you have reached over there, right? Like you know that you're here. You know where you currently are. You know your mistakes and you feel like it's not going to be until you reach who God wants you to be that God can really approve, Right, like how could God accept you in your, in your brokenness? That you need to sharpen up before God will want to use you, let alone love you. And if that's you, it's also important to remember that Samson was still broken when God used him. That it was in, in fact, that, that God specializes in using broken people. So as we take communion together in a moment, I want you to remember that Jesus shed his blood for you but he shed his blood for you at your worst. His sacrifice wasn't contingent on you being a good person or behaving or meeting certain expectations that you've put on yourself. Jesus knew everything, God knows everything. So he saw you at your lowest. He saw you at your most broken and hurting, that, that moment that you think back on and despise. He saw that moment and he said, I'll die for you then in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of the ugliness that you might feel ashamed of, God says, I'll die for that version of you, not just the one on a Sunday morning who raises their hands and looks holy. I'll die for the version of you in your darkest moments, not just with you all together, but the broken you. 
Jesus sees you with all the bits you want to hide from the world and he loves you. And if you're here today and you have a hurt or or a, a pain or a brokenness that you've been carrying with you, communion is an opportunity to be reminded that God is one. that that we don't need to be broken, that we can trust His love and that we can embrace His healing, that we can know that God died for us so the hurt in us won't define us, but that His love will. And we might still need some rehab. We might still need to, to work out some of the stuff in our life, but we still need to remember that seeds start small and they grow slow, but seeds sprout out that God has a future and a plan for us. Or maybe this morning we just need to be reminded of His love, that He loves you, that you feel fine, but you need to be reminded that He loves you and His love moves with you. His love flows out from you, that His love applies to all of the people around you. See, whatever the reason, one of them or all of them, as we take communion together, as we finish off our series on sex and romance, remembering that God is for us, that God loves us, that God's blood covers our shame and His strength sustains us. So as you hold your cracker, I want you to remember that that this reminds us of God's body broken for us. Remind yourself that it's in God's strength that we live. Let's eat together. the juice, reminding us of God's blood shed for us. Remind yourself that God loves you. Remind yourself that God loves the broken you. Remind yourself that God died so that you could know Him fully. And in this moment, feel that love. Allow that love to go from your head to your heart. Allow it to move from a thing that you know to a thing that you experience. This morning, if you need healing, if you're reminded of a brokenness in you, of a mistake in your past, of something that you feel is, is in the way, a barrier to connecting to God's love, just ask Him to take it away. Ask Him to heal it. Remind yourself that God is in control, that nothing is bigger than Him. And if He wants to know you, then if you want to know Him, nothing can stand in the way of that. So as you hold this, this juice reminding us of God's blood, Let's remind ourselves, let's remember that His love surpasses all. That God wins. That God wants you. And if you choose to know Him, He gets you. Come on, why don't we drink together? You know, in a minute we're gonna we're gonna finish the service. I went a little bit over time, I apologize. But I just want to pray for us one more time. Is that alright? When you just bow your heads when you close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for us, but I also want to acknowledge the fact that the series can bring up a whole lot of deep-seated things, right? That sex and romance, that relationships are at the very core of who we are as people. And you might have some hurts. You might have some things that you need to work through. And, and maybe for you, the series has just brought up things that you'd rather not remember. And, and so we're going to finish the, the service in a minute. We're going to have an awesome Uh, shared lunch but after I pray in fact the band's going to come up now and the band's just going to lead us in a song of worship and I want to encourage you you know 
feel free to, to stick around and to worship with us. Um, or, or feel free to, to move to the back of the hall and, and talk amongst yourselves. But if you're here today and you know that you need to respond in some way, and I'm not, I'm not making an altar call, but I'm just saying that the altar is open. If you know that there's something in your life, there's something in your heart that you need someone to stand with you and pray with you about, that there'll be a space here as we sing and as we worship together where you can come forward and you can be prayed for, that your family can stand with you and agree with you. Is that all right? Awesome. Why don't you bow your heads and let's pray. God, I thank you for this series. God, that, that is not a mistake, that is not... Uh, it didn't just happen that we talked about sex and romance this, this month. God, but that you have, you have life for us. God, and you have life abundantly for us. And, and life abundantly looks like a life free of the mistakes of our past. And a life, and life abundantly looks like a life in which we move forward into a future in which we help people and we don't hurt ourselves. But God, we're human. God, and we're fallible. God, and we make mistakes. And we're not standing here pretending that we never will make a mistake again. But God, I just pray for us. I pray for me. I pray for us as a church that you would help us to live life well. God, with, with our eyes to the future, anticipating what's to come, expecting of the fact that you would, you're moving, God. God, thank you that you see us in our brokenness and you don't despise it, but you work through it. God, help us to be like Samson, even if we make mistakes, to realize that you can use us in our mistakes. God, we just refute any lies from the devil in this room that say because you're broken or have made mistakes, you can't be used. God, we know that you use everyone as long as they're willing. God, and I just pray that we would leave this room different than when we came in. God, that we wouldn't leave condemned, that we wouldn't leave hurting, but we would leave inspired knowing that you're with us, that you love us, and that tomorrow is a better day because you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet? The band's gonna lead us in a song, and I wanna encourage you, if you wanna come to the front, if you want prayer, please do. Otherwise, let's worship together.